Hello and oh, let me take these headphones off. That's a little unnecessary. Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to drink this fucking coffee that I left over here. keeping it professional as always. Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode. If you're one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge beer 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 what can i say i've been having an odd relationship with beer recently maybe anybody that listens to the podcast regularly might have heard me talking about not drinking so much trying to cut back and it's there i mean i say this as somebody who did have one beer last night uh but one beer last night that was the only beer that I drank all week uh, compared to a lifestyle that I was living just a few months ago uh, is a bit of a change. And I've been feeling pretty good about it, but odd. You know, my relationship with beer is changing in a bizarre way. Um, You know, it kind of just started with me being a little just kind of overwhelmed with just how much of it was in my life and you got to try this and you got to try that and you know a light bulb going off in my head that's like either you know a lot of the stuff that I'm drinking all tastes like other shit that I've already had so it's not really like a new interesting experience for me anymore or it just tastes like shit and it's boring so I don't know I'm not I'm not shitting on beer I still really enjoy you know, craft beer shout outs to all my friends that are in that community. But right now I'm kind of, I'm finding myself stepping away from it. I decided about a month ago that I was no longer going to drink on nights that I had a show or on nights that I had like band practice, which, you know, that already takes out a huge chunk of my life right there. And I've been feeling like really good. Uh, this isn't, I'm not trying to put myself on any sort of a pedestal or anything like that. Uh, again, like I still like beer, but my personal relationship with it, I think, is changing, and it's probably for the best. I've felt a lot focused. I've felt better when I'm waking up, and uh, yeah, I just want to get back to a point with beer where you know I feel like it was a lot more fun when I didn't know anything about it. You know, it's it's almost like. Uh, and a very dramatic example would be the local music scene. You know how uh, once you get behind the curtain and you're exposed to so much stuff and the politics of how things work, not even so much the local music scene, but just being an artist in general, to be completely honest. Uh, you know, there's a lot of a, a lot of stuff about it that kind of makes you sick if you if you get into it too much and you you know you lose yourself. And I think that's kind of where I got with the beer. I think I was just I was in it too much and I kind of lost focus on what was so cool about it to me in the first place, which was, you know, just trying like being uh, all the social aspects that came with it, trying new things. Uh, 
I don't know. Oh, it just stopped being new. I'm rambling a bit, but I've been thinking about that a lot and uh, been drinking a lot more water and teas and coffees. I will, uh, I will, I will kind of end the segment on one note where uh, on Friday I was, we were doing a live podcast, podcast night at the Tolma. I'll get to that in a minute. But before the event, we had, I had, I can't talk right now. I'm, I'm just, this story is so fucking stupid. I can't even believe I'm going to share it with you. But I am. Uh, before the event, instead of going and picking up beer, I went to the grocery store and picked out, like, I am basically made a, a six-pack of uh, different iced teas and sparkling <laughs> waters. It took that to the event, and it was tight. You know, it honestly felt... The, the, the feeling that I had was honestly no different than going to a bottle shop and picking out a half dozen different beers I never had before. I'm coming to find that, you know, it's almost the same feeling that I had when I decided I was going to stop eating meat, um, where, you know, I realized that it wasn't so much that I gave a fuck about, like, eating meat. I just liked food. I didn't really care what it was. And that's kind of how I'm feeling right now about alcohol it's not so much it like i mean i enjoy the beer some beers that i've had for sure but i'm starting to get to this point where like i if i'm in like a, a social situation and i'm around people i just like having a drink in my hand because i'm kind of awkward and it doesn't fucking matter if it's a beer like i don't need to be drunk or have a buzz to talk to people or be social i i just like having a drink i'm just weird I like drinking things so i'm replacing a lot of that with just like teas and waters and coffee and this coffee got me fucking hype right now i've been rambling for five minutes about this shit so let's 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 move forward uh you know what else has been on my mind earlier today um a buddy of mine on on the facebookers posted a status about online dating being the worst and uh i had this funny thought in my head as soon as i saw it um i don't know what made me think of this but I was thinking about how absurd the idea of online dating really is when you take into consideration the fact that there are a lot of people that don't even like buying clothes online because they're, you know, they don't know how it's going to fit if, you know, the sizes are going to translate. So, you know, we're paranoid about buying clothes online, but as a society, we've like really opened up our doors to strangers and become not afraid of just putting ourselves out there like emotionally looking for like romantic companionship when a lot of us don't even feel comfortable buying a pair of shoes online it's kind of silly uh i feel <laughs> there's a there's a more flushed out thought that could be in there um you know obviously i'm not somebody that is in the onlining onlining dating community i have a lovely girlfriend that I've been with for years. Uh, wow, that's crazy. We've already been... Eh. Anyways, that's a whole other story. Um, but, you know, when I was single a few years ago, I definitely dabbled in the online dating thing, tried out the, the Tinders and the such, and, like, I kind of just realized that, uh, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to find the right person for me in this kind of an environment because anybody that is comfortable in the online dating realm is definitely not a person for me. I'm way too fucking like weird for that stuff. So, um, you know, um, eh, but it works for some people. I don't know. That's just a random thought in my head. I, uh, that's, that's kind of what this whole 
what this whole introduction is. I'm just kind of talking to you, sharing some thoughts and whatnot. But uh, let's let's move forward. We do have an actual real episode to get into today. Uh, I'll stop talking about me not drinking and my thoughts on online dating that I have no reason to comment on. Um, last week's episode, we had Greg Harrington on of Neon Brainiacs. For those of you that you know didn't check out that episode, Greg's a really, 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 really nice human being. He's played in a bunch of bands in the Pittsburgh area. He's now part of this podcast that is a 80s horror-themed podcast, and we actually just had a podcast night at the Tolma, which I mentioned earlier that happened this weekend. That was with Neon Brainiacs and our friends in Ghoul on Ghoul and thrifty podcast shout outs to toddy from thrifty who put the whole thing together and it was cool it was like a house show but instead of bands it was all podcasts there was there was a nice little group of people there all the shows were hysterical um i live stream everything on my facebook and those videos are still available on my facebook if you go on my page not start to beat with sykes my personal facebook you can go on there they're there if you're interested uh, I had a blast. I was laughing my ass off all night. I was enjoying my uh, various iced teas that I brought <laughs> to the event because, you know, I was getting wild. Um, I, I want ham on some Cool Ranch Doritos and some iced tea. And uh, yeah, I, I'm really I'm living my best party life right now. I'm feeling feeling pretty good about it. The, uh, the episode that I recorded at podcast night, a.k.a. Peanut was actually the 200th episode of Start the Beat. Um, if you're looking at the numbers now, this obviously is not episode 200. The way that things get recorded and scheduled and put out isn't always in sequence, but whenever I do officially release the 200th episode of this show, it's going to be my live uh, recording from Podcast Night at the Toma, um, which... Honestly, if you want to watch it now, you can watch a shitty live stream version of it on my Facebook. It's there, but if you want to wait for the the good video, because I did actually record it with this camera and uh, got like captured the solid audio of it, so I'm going to be releasing it as an official episode. But uh, I don't know if you're not patient or if you're just tired of you know listening to me talk about beer and dating, you can go watch that one. But I do encourage you to stick around for this episode. Wow, we're already. 10 and a half minutes in. This is a very, very long introduction. I haven't even gotten into my upcoming shows. Holy smokes. I, I hope this is entertaining. I think it is. It's entertaining. You're entertained. They say confidence is convincing and I'm confident in myself. So you are convinced in my ability to be entertaining, right? That's how this works. I think so. Anyways, come to some shows. Uh, again, ah, got a couple Grey Walker shows. February 1st. We're going to be in Lansing, Michigan, and February 2nd, we're going to be in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So if any of you are Michigan people, come on out to those shows if you're close and you want to see some fucking metal. Both of those shows are with our friends in Heartsick. We really enjoy playing with them, and we like going to Michigan to play those shows. It's going to be tight. February 8th. Sykes and a New Violence is doing a headlining gig at The Smiling Moose. It's a late show, 10 p.m. start time. That's going to be with Abstract Theory, Walkman, and BB Guns. So it's a cool night of Pittsburgh-based hip-hop. Really, really, really excited about that lineup. And February 15th is going to be the next MySpace night. Yes, 
at BrilloBox. As always, we have confirmed dates for all of 2019. So uh, MySpace Night will be happening throughout the year. All the dates are booked, all at BrilloBox. And uh, if you've never been out to one of those events, I, I mean... I encourage it. I think there's something for everybody. I think a lot of people that haven't been there have a little bit of a misunderstanding on what the night is. Um, it's not an emo night. A lot of people think that it is an emo night. And it's sure, I will, I'll play some Fallout Boy. I'll play some My Chem. But I'm also playing Rihanna. I'm going to play Soldier Boy. Hot topic right now. I'm going to play fucking Kesha. I'm gonna play Jimmy Eat World. I'm gonna play a mixture of things, not just uh emo stuff. It's it's a uh it's MySpace night. So that is a mixture of everything that was popular in the, you know, mid to late 2000s. It's really like a 2000s dance party under the umbrella of MySpace night, which uh you know, there's a lot of uh embarrassing but uh catchy stuff that came out in that time frame and uh yeah i don't know if any of that sounds good to you come on out if it doesn't and it's not for you that's fine you can do whatever you've been doing i'm having fun throwing the events so yeah let's get into some questions that people asked me on the internet colt my bandmate from gray walker asked me a pretty funny question if you were to cover one psych song in Grey Walker, which would it be and why? This is a pretty interesting thought, and it's actually a pretty easy question to answer. So for those of you who don't know, I've been releasing, recording, doing this Sykes thing for a very long time, since 2007. I have a lot of material online. I've put out a lot of albums and there's one in particular that I put out in uh, like 2010 called Thank You for Your Cooperation. And this album came out in a time when I wasn't in a metal band, but I really wanted to be in a metal band. And uh, I always wanted to be in a metal band. And for a long time, I was able to keep you know that separation between what I was doing with Sykes and producing hip hop music and the metal desire separate. But when I started putting together music for Thank You For Your Cooperation, it had a very heavy lean. There's a lot more guitar. There's live drums on the album and uh, on some parts. And it was like the first step into me really creating more like rock-driven music. Um, in retrospect, a lot of the album is a mess. Uh, I didn't quite know what I was doing in terms of mixing uh recording stuff like recording those instruments or even like you know writing songs like that and like also it's like i was trying to mix oil and vinegar in a lot of ways to begin with so uh while i'm not particularly a huge fan of a lot of the stuff on that album now it was a really crucial uh it was a really awesome and crucial learning experience for me just as a like an, an artist. So it would be cool to go back to that album and do one of those songs. Probably one of the first few tracks on the album. I'm going to probably go with the, the opening track on that album. It's called The Town That Dreaded Sundown. It's a really cool song, has a lot of cool different parts. 
um, including like a pretty heavy bridge. I think that would be a really fun track. Uh, some of the synth lines, I think, would translate well to guitar. I think we can make like a pretty cool Greywalker track out of that. So I'd go with that or one of the other songs off of that album just because it was written in a time when like all I wanted to be in was a metal band. So now that I am in a metal band, you know, uh, all these years later, almost 10 years later, uh, it'd be cool to revisit some of that stuff and maybe like re-record it or even just pull up the stems if I could find them and like remaster some of that stuff because the mixing on that album's pretty fucking atrocious. But there's some cool ideas in there. Uh, if you want to uh, take a deep dive into my embarrassing past, uh, well, maybe not embarrassing, but just, you know, my see uh, how I've grown or how I haven't grown as a uh, an artist. Uh, it's all on Bandcamp. Everything I've ever released as Sykes is on my Bandcamp page, psychs.bandcamp.com. Go check it out. Or actually, no, I have links to all of it on my website too. I'm not hiding anything. Go to therealsykes.com. You can check it out there. I don't give a shit. All right, so we got another question here from John Knoll, who asks, what was the best Halloween you've ever had? Honestly, I don't know if there's one particular Halloween that really sticks out from any other, but I do feel fortunate to have like grown up in a time when kids were still allowed to trick or treat at night alone. <laughs> uh, growing up, I had a lot of fun just uh, going out with small groups of friends around the neighborhoods, uh, you know, going over to the nicer neighborhood. I uh, So I grew up in Wilkinsburg, but uh, Regent Square, uh, for those of you familiar with Pittsburgh, was, you know, we were kind of like right next to each other. So I remember we would go up into Regent Square for trick or treating, you know, go to the big houses and try to get the big candy at the big houses, trick-or-treated a couple times even in Squirrel Hill. Uh, that was a lot of fun, just being a kid and actually getting to enjoy trick-or-treating. Uh, as an adult with Halloween, I've been to some fun Halloween parties, uh, had some fun Halloween costumes and stuff like that. Uh, plenty of fun memories, but uh, I think you know it really all goes back to uh, being a kid and just you know, doing, doing the damn thing, doing the trick or treating, uh, dressing up and, uh, getting that candy, getting that, getting that fucking candy. I can't eat candy now. Like I used to then makes me feel fucking gross. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So that's, that's it. Just uh childhood. I've, I was, uh, I have some pretty good, uh, memories of costumes. I was, uh, I was the devil once I was, uh, scorpion once i from mortal Kombat. i was dracula once those are some standout costumes from when i was a child okay so let's get into uh this week's episode what do you say i think i've uh talked enough so this week on the show we have my friend ashley green who is the managing editor at the Northside Chronicle. Some of you may be familiar with the Northside Chronicle because Ashley actually did a story on me recently uh, and Start the Beat on the podcast. If any of you remember back in Dece was it December or November, uh, it was the end of last year where I was featured in the Northside Chronicle. Uh, there was a cool story of me holding the, the Mona Rexa painting. And it was really awesome for, you know, Ashley to take the time to write that, write that story up about me and, uh, you know, give me a cool platform to, you know, share my tales with some new people. So I kind of wanted to return the favor and give her a chance to, uh, 
share a little bit of her story because I think she puts a lot of work and time into sharing other people's stories. And uh, I think, you know, the mind of somebody that does that, you know, especially somebody that does that for a living, you know, telling other people's stories, being being social for a living is a it's an interesting it's an interesting thing. And uh, I just wanted to sit down and talk with her. And this is a really, really, really cool conversation. Ashley's really nice. Uh, she's into a whole lot of different stuff. So uh, not just uh, not just telling other people's stories. She definitely has a great story of her own to share. And I think you're going to like it. So let's get into it. Sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm solid. It's been a it's been a couple months since I've seen you. I'm yeah. glad to see you made it through the holidays <laughs> and the new year and all that things. And you're still chugging along. Chugging along. Doing yeah. everything that you do. Yes. So this is a you're the first guest I've ever had that I've done research on via a LinkedIn page. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think anybody I've ever had on the, I'm sure they probably have LinkedIn pages. That's but <laughs> uh you have a, a lot in your on your resume. <laughs> You've lived a very busy creative life, it seems. Thank you. I try to. According to your LinkedIn page. I don't even use LinkedIn. I just base I Googled your name and where you worked and it came up. <laughs> so that that's how weird the internet is. Don't yeah. Try not to be too creeped out by it's it. All right. I mean, technically, well, you put the for. information yeah. out there, right? Right. So we're just asking to be virtually stalked these days. <laughs> gonna, this thing keeps moving over. Gosh darn it! Um, so this is a podcast on a microphone stand engineering, and I want to thank you for being here <laughs> to be a part of it. Are we testing the products? Uh, everything's going. I was going. I was trying to go, but I'm just slowly watching this thing do this and getting really annoyed at it. Maybe um, if I just push it back a bit, that'll be good. Okay. I don't know what I'm doing. I've been doing this for almost 200 episodes, and I'm still <laughs> trying to figure it out. But I think the problem is that as I get comfortable in something, I just try to do something different. Like you know, once everything's working smoothly, it's I feel like something's wrong. So it's like, oh well, maybe I need to get these new different mic stands, or maybe I need to get an external monitor for my thing, or do this or that. It's, you want to keep it interesting and fresh. It's I guess so because it's it's more of a, a selfish experiment than doing this for anybody else. I'm just doing it all for myself. So isn't that what we're all here for? Let's really? talk about me some more. <laughs> we're here to talk about you. But given the LinkedIn page and all everything that I've seen you do, just on a quick. Uh, a quick sheet. My first question for you is uh, sleep. Overrated or underrated? Sleep is totally underrated. Nice. I would say. I'm an overrated person, but please. Pl I had a feeling you would say that. I need to, I need to, I don't want to be, but I am. So <laughs> I, I need, I need some help here in uh, getting better at sleep. Well, you should read a book. It's uh, called <laughs> the twenty four. It's called the twenty four hour mind. Okay, it's amazing. It's by a sleep scientist. I think her name is Rosalind Cartwright. Okay, and she. The whole book is about sleep disorders. So, if you're a fan of the podcast, My Favorite Murder, 
you would know that they talk a lot about sleep disorders and like the creepy things that you can do when you're in your sleep. So for example, when you're sleepwalking, you do not have facial recognition, which is crazy. I think that's crazy. I don't feel like I have facial recognition in my dreams. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah okay. like no facial so that, recognition. So that translates. That translates into sleepwalking. But the other part of this book, so that's really interesting. The other part is that um, in addition to sleep being making your skin look nice and making you feel well rested, it's also um, helps you regulate negative emotions. So she goes <laughs> into like how it's really beneficial <laughs> to treat depression. Sure. Okay. It's okay. really cool. Okay. So I would so totally check it out. My question now, prior to this book, were you more <laughs> were you more on my side of the spectrum or were you already I was wavering. Okay. I was wavering. I mean, yeah. I am definitely a doer and I know you work really hard and I love to work really hard. I'm a little bit of a workaholic. I noticed that you had there's some yoga stuff on yes. your LinkedIn page. So I feel like you're a lot more balanced in some ways that I'm not. I've never done any yoga. Uh, Barbara Get Hip is always trying to get me to do it. I don't know why I want. I don't know why I don't. I like. I think everything about the concept of it, I totally jive with. Mm -hmm. But there's just something that's kind of like. I think there's a some sort of self conscious like embarrassment doing things that I'm not really good at in front of people. Not, That's your ego. Yeah. Maybe it is my ego. I try not to be very <laughs> ego-driven, but I think it's like an ego that I'm like uh, ashamed of. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's not like a, I, I'm never like proud to be uh, egotistical about anything, right. but it's still there. Yeah. It's just a part of everyone. It is human yeah. nature, right? Yeah, I think so. But yeah, you should try it out. I've been meaning to go to that class too, so... Yeah, I, Tuesdays I think Thursdays. Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah. Good memory. Mm -hmm. You have to remember. It's on my calendar. <laughs> I just have to do it. <laughs> that, now you sound like me. There's just things that like are on my calendar every week that just get pushed back and pushed back. Right. How do you, as a just a creator that has a schedule that revolves around other people a lot? Because I guess you're going around and you're talking to people and doing stories and working with other people. How do you manage other people's time? I find that that's what my schedule, a lot of it is, is actually managing other people's time. I feel like I'm an assistant to everybody <laughs> else in my life Yeah. sometimes. Well, I think a lot of reminders. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, we have this on the calendar next week. We yeah. have this on the calendar tomorrow. Oh, totally. And that's what you did for this. Oh, yeah. I put, I have reminders in my thing. Like anytime I schedule a podcast, it's like three days before I make a note to message the guest. Yeah, that's a great idea. I have to. Yeah, people are busy. They forget things. And I know I forget things, too. If I don't write them down in a physical planner, then I will forget it. Have you found yourself starting to write things down that you really shouldn't have to, but you're so used to doing that, that <laughs> it's just how you get through life? For a while, there was a time where like, I would put, remember to shower, you idiot, in my calendar. <laughs> I don't have that problem. No, I had that problem for a while. Oh, I guess I also wow. thought it was kind of funny, too. But it was definitely there. <laughs> I see what you're saying. I, I forget to eat, like, if I'm doing something really fun yeah. or exciting. And then I'll just feel terrible and then I'll remember that I should have eaten. That happens to me. But I, as much as I, I will realize that I didn't eat, but I like the feeling of knowing that I've been so busy that I forgot to eat. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. yeah, good day. I'm getting shit That's done. That's passion right there. Then I could celebrate with a sandwich or something <laughs> like that, you know? Exactly. Whenever you get a chance to eat, what's your go-to? 
Oh, Let's talk man, about the important stuff. Um, my go-to. I mean, I love eating small meals. Like I had a green smoothie this morning nice. with like coconut mana and peanut butter. From and, where? Where do you did you make this? Uh no, no. Okay. It's like the pulp of coconut, so it's like already got that peanut buttery consistency. Nice. Yeah, this sounds great. It's really good. Where'd you it get has it? a lot of fat in it. Um, the co-op. Oh. Eastern food co-op. Okay. Yeah, I think Whole Foods probably has it too, but it's good stuff. Cool. I like the co-op a lot. Mm. I used to work in a warehouse over that way. Okay. Just like, it was like a shipping job. Mm -hmm. But in that time frame, I was like a much different person in terms of my diet. Okay. And that, like, everything about the co-op just seemed like so foreign to me. <laughs> but now I love that place because like my diet's a 180 from where it was when I worked then. But mm -hmm. that's a long way of me saying that I really like that place. But you still like pizza. Oh, I love pizza. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've, so I've been like pretty much a vegetarian for the past 10 years. Oh, okay. But prior to that, I was very much like a McDonald's. Mm. Like I was like, I just ate like really generic American food. I was very unexplorative. Mm -hmm. But whenever I started the vegetarian diet, it kind of forced me to like, you know, what the fuck is Ethiopian food? Oh, like this is good. And like yeah. try other, I really increased my palate. I'm also a vegetarian and I feel that people think of vegetarianism as something that limits you. But what you just said right now is an example of the opposite of that. Yeah, no, no. So. I think in general, there's, I think a lot of people just maybe, I don't know if it's an American thing. It probably is, but I don't want to generalize. I think a lot of people were just raised on that sort of like American diet. And a lot of the times, like, what you grow up with is what you end up being into for the rest of your life. So if you grow up on, you know, meatballs and chicken sandwiches and burgers and stuff like that, that's probably what you like. And I don't think there's really a problem with eating any of that. But Until you're is, older and then you have, like, high blood pressure. Totally. That's yeah. a problem. <laughs> I mean, it's all it's all regulation, right? It's all... Yeah, uh, balance. Yes. I mean, like, a, like a yoga yeah. of the mind in some ways. Does that make sense? I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know anything about yoga. Yoga is really... The physical practice of yoga is only one branch of the... Of yoga as a philosophy. Totally. So. Okay. That mm -hmm. makes sense. I think... So I, said, so I think I'm, like, already jiving with some of it. Oh, yeah. You're I've probably, been, like pretty much there if i'm thinking about it i'm almost there right if you go to barbara's class you might achieve nirvana whoa all right so let's talk a little bit about <laughs> yoga okay because on when i was looking into it i saw that you were uh i don't know the word for it we'll just say practitioner and i guess you, yep. were you, t you were teaching and stuff too mm -hmm. like, yep teaching classes and private lessons what kind of yoga was this i understand there's there's several different kinds what were you what were you what's your jam Right. Um, so I have studied with Ashtanga in the Ashtanga style and in the Jiva Mukti style. Okay. And yeah, I, yeah. Jiva Mukti is also rooted in Ashtanga. So it's like repetition of a certain series of poses. Um, and you, if you're really doing the traditional Ashtanga style, you would go to a Mysore class, which is where you line up facing each other. And um, that makes me nervous already. <laughs> it's a little intimidating at first. Sure. Um, and I don't even really do that. I, I do it on my own. But traditionally, the teacher, you would go through the practice on your own time, and the teacher would then tell you that you're ready for the next pose in the series. So 
Cool. Yeah. So do you think it would be uh, potentially dangerous for me to try doing yoga alone? No. Okay. Not at all. There's some great YouTube videos out there that would really help you. Yeah. Are you familiar with Diamond Dallas Page? He does the DDP yoga. I'm not. Have you heard about this? Tell me more. So he is an ex-WWE wrestler. <laughs> But he does this yoga program now, and that sounds completely ridiculous on the surface, but he's super legit. And there's all of these really cool stories on his website of like people that like had a hard time walking that have used his program that he's helped. And like the dude's a total sweetheart, but like his class, it's like, it's kind of like a, it's very like, it's the most masculine form of yoga <laughs> I've seen. So it's like a little, it's a little corny, but it's self-aware. Yeah. And he's super genuine. And, he, and I feel like he's like reaching out to a demographic of people who typically wouldn't open up their mind to yoga because it's not, uh, I think the way that he presents it, it's not so spiritual and kind of in a way where I think it might push a lot of people off. Mm -hmm. Kind of in the same way a lot of people might not want to eat anything that's not a cheeseburger. Right. Some people might not want to do yoga because of the way it's presented. And he's totally. presenting it in a way that I think makes it more accessible to a different demographic of people. And I think it's like fascinating. You should look into it. I will totally look into it. It's really it. neat. I don't, I don't know if I would want – I don't know if I could do – his because it just seems so silly. Actually, the first time I found out about it was our drummer in Greywalker. Uh-huh. It was into it and he had the DVD and he brought it on tour. So him and the other dudes were doing it like in the hotel room wow. and it was ridiculous, but they were all into it. And I was like, this is so, I was like, I'm so stoked that like <laughs> you guys are into this. But at the same time, I was like, this is so silly. Yeah. That's but, great. I love that. Yeah. Just, I have to check it out. Yeah, I like the idea of just you know, opening people's minds to things like, you know, kind of like tricking them into it through their interests. And then before yeah. you know it, like, because ultimately it's kind of dumb to be embarrassed about wanting to better yourself. Oh, yeah, totally. Right? I don't know why. I always try to be like really uncomfortable regularly. <laughs> <laughs> Because that means that I'm learning and growing in some totally. way. Totally. I definitely, I, I agree with that. Maybe that goes back to why I'm always trying to add new things into the podcast. Maybe a part of that is just that I want to learn and be better. And I don't ever want to just plateau because yeah. I'm like, what's the point? The whole reason I even started doing this was to learn how to communicate with people better and meet new people and enjoy new experiences. So yeah, part of it is just learning more and more gear, I guess, right? Yeah. Building now, your knowledge. Yeah, expanding my knowledge. Mm -hmm. Now, with telling other people's stories, which is a big part of what you do now, you are working at the Northside Chronicle. Do you mm -hmm. want to give your whole uh, resume so I don't have to try <laughs> to remember every little detail, how, sure. how you would like it uh, worded? Well, I've been the managing editor at the Northside Chronicle, which is, as probably most of your listeners know, hopefully, the community newspaper of all 18 neighborhoods in the Northside. So that's my day job. I'm the managing editor there, and I've been there since June. And I'm also a creative writer on the side. I write um, essays in the creative nonfiction style. I dabble in poetry, and I've written some zines, and I've actually brought a couple of zines for you today. No way. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, how new are these zines? Are they recent? Or are they, is it varied? 
They're new. New. Okay. I mean, they're new. They're the newest ones that I've done. I was in the feminist zine fest okay. last year. I tabled there, and um, and one of them is about female friendship. And one of them is about toxic masculinity. Okay. So that's that's some yin and yang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool. I feel like... I don't know. Should I get them out? Uh, or should we Yeah, wait? let's get them out. Now look at them. Okay. Uh, but we'll try to keep talking. It's, it's interesting. The podcast now, there's like the visual aspect where anybody that's watching the video will get what's going on. But if they're still like audio only, if they're like, you know, living in the stone age and not... Well, we Not can on the audio YouTube. describe everything. Yeah, we can audio describe everything. <laughs> okay. So for anybody not watching, Ashley is getting out these zines. We don't really, I mean, we don't have to talk about that. No, no, totally. I, I think that it's cool because this is actually something about you that is not on your LinkedIn page. <laughs> there yeah, is like true. a there is a freelance section on the page that has like a ridiculous amount of credits that like <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is tight, but like you know, it just looks like, you know, it's, it fills up like an entire screen. So, you know, it could really just be summed up as like, maybe I should imp- edit that impressive person. <laughs> Most the, the, the thing that I've found that's so interesting about uh, social media and where that's came into life and how people were interacting with everything, nobody takes the time to do anything. Like, yes. it's a lot of people just kind of skim things and then they make their assumption based off of the skim. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if it's like you have a bunch of words on a page, unfortunately, as long as it looks like there's some words in there that are multiple syllables and like the grammar looks okay, people are going to be like, oh, that's a smart person. <laughs> it's It really, really sucks. So this is the zine that I'm looking at here that is not featured on Ashley's Wikipedia page. <laughs> some kind of soulmates. So which one is this? That is the one about female friendship. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Cool. So in terms of this, I guess you're doing all of the layouts and everything. Yeah, it's very handmade. So yeah, zines like, are, you know, all you need is a some paper, some photos, some magazine clippings, a glue stick, and you're good to go. And there's some there's some really cool things that I like about this. Like first, immediately from a design perspective, I mean, I don't know if this will show up, but there's like a there's typeset that's like two different. Uh, two different sections of text but going across the two there's like a handwritten blurb in here that goes across both pages and the reason why i'm stoked about this because i know what laying out stuff is like (laughs) so you had to get half on this page and half on this page and line it up correctly so when you printed everything out it all folded correctly Mm, yeah like that stuff like that can really be a nightmare and i get like a a design sort of like excitement over seeing other people that take the time <laughs> to do something like that because you had this idea and I want it to look like this but it can be a real pain in the ass it's a lot of like math and figuring out what goes where right blah, 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 blah. actually I messed up really really bad on a project that I did recently because I goofed up the the alignment of where things were printing oh, out no. it was a total bummer but hey I'm only human <laughs> you know what can I do so to summarize some of the stuff that goes into this because I can't like go through and read everything what what would you say like if like a like a if this was a VHS box and there was a short description <laughs> on the back of it, you know, what would be the uh, the overall uh, analysis or synopsis of this? Mm, well, I think I'm really interested in analyzing relationships of all different kinds and the psychology behind them. So I wanted to kind of um, 
make a zine for one of my best female friends who lives on the other side of the country. Okay. And kind of just show people that this kind of relationship, this kind of friend love is really important. And it was almost like a tribute to her. So it was a gift to her in a way. This is really cool. It's uh, that story is like really, really nice. Oh, good. Thank you. No, it's super kind. I think that there's something where I feel like friendship is almost becoming like underappreciated. Definitely. Uh, it's uh, I, it's I, not efficient. <laughs> that's a really sad but good way <laughs> to put it. It's definitely not. Mm-hmm. And I don't, it, I feel like it's probably a combination of things. So I don't want to point my finger at anything or try to solve the issue of why aren't anybody friends anymore? But I just feel like it's so, it just doesn't feel the same. I feel like everybody's connected digitally through these things. We all know way too much unnecessary things about each other and none of us take the time anymore to like sit down and have conversations and figure out what's really going on. Right. You know, like we had an issue recently where I was somewhere with some people. I'm going to be very vague about this. (laughs) And there was some other people there who the people I was normally with aren't hanging out with and those people weren't getting along. Uh Uh-huh. And it was just immediately the reaction you know, was like, oh, you know, like, well, I don't like those people. But it's me, I'm coming in all like Mr. Empathy now that I've like <laughs> recently discovered. Now I'm like, You're I, have the empathy, diplomat. I have empathy towards everything. I'm like, you have to like when somebody's like acting a certain way, you got to like ask why they're acting that way instead of taking it as a personal attack. Because I find that like most people don't want to not like people and most people don't want people to not like them. It's just I think that sometimes I've, at least in my life, I'm surrounded by people that have these like issues of being like self-conscious. So they become like porcupines <laughs> when they're around people. And it's like, I think that you just need to find a way to like empathize with that and let them know that they don't need to have this like fucking brick wall up when they're talking to you. Cause it's like, Hey, we're all humans and we all like don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So let's like figure it out together. Well, I think you bring up a really good point. I mean, that's how I, look for stories. That's one way I look for stories is when you're looking at someone and they're behaving in a certain way and you don't understand it and maybe you even are reacting negatively towards it, it really just means that you're missing some part of the context. Yeah. So what is the context? Like I'm always interested in finding out why, like what the history is, what's causing them to be this way. It's like everybody will take like somebody, nobody, everybody... the way I want to word this. A lot of it's most people, most actions are reactions to other actions. Mm -hmm. And I think that the smart thing to do when you're interacting with somebody is like, try to understand why are they reacting that way towards you? Even if it's an action directed at you, Mm -hmm. it's, it could be a reaction to something else. And maybe it's, maybe it's something that somebody else did to them, or maybe it's something that you did to yourself and you, or that you did to them. And you need to analyze that, you know, because, Either, you know, sometimes people don't want to acknowledge that, you know, there's a problem outside of this situation. And definitely people don't ever want to acknowledge that they're the problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's being uh, very self-aware to that point. So that's why we're all, we could be porcupines to begin with. You know, we don't, <laughs> we don't want people to realize that we're 
jerks sometimes, but we're all human. It happens. Now with stories and trying to dig in and learn things about people, why was somebody like that does all of this stuff for you? Why did you think it was important or find any interest to take the time to start telling other people's stories when you already have this story of your own that is busy? Like you have enough on your plate. <laughs> like why, 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 why give other people your time? Well, I think it goes back to what you were saying, empathy and just trying to get along and trying to break down barriers between people. Um, because, you know, I am a hippie at heart. I lived in Hawaii for six months. Nice, and, nice. You know, lived out of a tent and had that kind of a transformation and do yoga. And so I really believe that instead of being more divisive, that I think stories bring people together. They help other people see the context behind people's actions and why they live the way that they do and Mm -hmm. why they are the way that they are. Yeah. Have you always been that way? Yes. I'm just curious. I always want to know what people are thinking and what people, why they're doing what they're doing. And I think it's fascinating. Yeah. I, it took me a long time, I think, to really, to get to where I'm at now. I think I've always been curious and I've always liked being around other people, but I always never really wanted to like, I don't know. There was something I was always afraid of getting to know new people or Mm -hmm. learn their stories because like I was uh, disappointed by so many people growing up, Mm. which is like another, it's a whole nother layer of. that's really hard but but yeah i just think that like i didn't have a whole lot of support when i was growing up it was more just kind of like i wasn't like neglected or abused or anything like awful like that so i don't want anybody to think anything too bad but it was more just kind of like a oh like well you know brian has his video game whatever and then like (laughs) uh you know brian wants to do after school art stuff you know, we don't care. You're not going to uh-huh, do it. Right. Um, you know, just kind of not like really nurtured creatively. Mm-hmm. And it kind of created this like explosion of a human being that I am now. It was like, <laughs> the, it was like, like, I was like, I never like had an outlet for doing anything. So I would just like hide mm-hmm. in my room and just like, you know, draw pictures or you like write a songs and all that stuff. Yes. <laughs> yes. That The song's about me actually. I'll tell you the oh. Katy Perry song. Oh, yeah. it's all about you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, there's my ego again. <laughs> <laughs> With so you've been doing the writing and stuff now, according to your LinkedIn page. I'm just gonna keep referencing this because I think That's it's okay. just, I think it's hysterical. I should have brought my resume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, paper resume. Actually, I have it on the screen right here. I'm just trying not to look at it. Oh, I don't okay. I don't like to di- looking at notes is like uh that's last ditch effort for me. I'm trying okay. to work off of. Mm-hmm brain you've been doing freelance writing and things kind of similar to what you're doing now for around a decade maybe a little over a decade right right so how has social media over the past 10 years like shaped how you tell stories because i feel like 
there's a part now where kind of everybody's always telling their story all the time. So does it make it harder? Does it make it easier for you to like find things to talk about given like the way everybody's kind of already their own journalist? I think it makes it harder to make a story with substance or maybe not harder, but it's not as appreciated as much as it used to be. Um, so with social media, I think there's a lot of good that can be done with it, but there can be a lot of bad that can be done with it. So I don't really want to facilitate echo chambers on Facebook, for example. I don't post anything. I try not to post anything on Facebook that is of substance. Are you on Facebook, like, personally? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just more of, like, a fun space for me. I'd rather have a real-life conversation or get people to read an article and things like that. Yeah, I think that the weird thing that happened with social media was that everybody felt obligated to be friends with way more people than anybody can possibly manage. (laughs) Like, I feel like I do a pretty good job at managing a lot. And I do a lot. You do a lot as well. But I have a lot of friends in my life and bless them all. They're all great. But they don't really do a whole lot. I mean, that's just their life. And that's great. And it's not like I don't look down on anybody that doesn't do a lot of shit. But if I can't handle the, like, the obligation of trying to maintain digital relationships with hundreds of people... I know that they can't. It's way too much. And it's like in the majority of the people that a lot of people know, actually people that people that on a, on my Facebook, people that I actually know versus people that are just there, it's it's way lopsided. Right. So it's like why it's like I don't know these people. Sometimes they post things that I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. And this is creating a really like negative space. Right. This is supposed to be a way for me to just keep in touch with my friends. And Mm -hmm. that's what everybody says. It's a way to keep in touch with people. And like, that's great. But why do we have to accept every friend request we get? You know, there's just something about that. Oh, somebody wants to be friends with me. And that's cool. So I don't. I don't accept every friend. Well, that's your, your better off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, for a while, I used to. And I think there was the other part of me too. Maybe the ego, where maybe. it's like, oh, maybe this person like knows that I'm in this band or does this, so they want to reach out to me or they mm-hmm. want to keep in touch with events that I'm doing. Most of the time, it's just, it's not, you know, they're just people that right. request me. It's like, I'll get friend requests, and then as soon as I accept it, it's like, hey, like, my band's looking for a show. Like, everybody fucking wants something from me. <laughs> There's my ego again. I don't, but no, it does happen. Yeah. It would be like every time you got a friend request, if you uh, accepted it and then like, hey, like, you know, I have this uh, ice cream truck opening up. Can you come write a story about it? Oh, so you're basically talking about my email inbox right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what it's like then? You just get like a lot of people, I guess. I mean, it can people be. People want their stories told. Yeah. And most of them are really interesting. So I'm into it. But you only have so much time. So it goes back to scheduling and managing all of that. Priorities. Yeah. But uh, the original question, I guess, I guess we kind of talked about how the social media has shaped everything. Well, I think it's also really important to remember that, especially for um, a print publication, uh, not everyone has the internet. Yeah. We think that everyone does, especially in cities. But when you get into rural areas, I mean, 
there's all of this journalism that's being put online and people aren't even, if it doesn't get onto television, they're never going to see it. So I think it's really important to just be aware of that. Like, it's sort of a privilege to have, you know, internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that the other thing too, just from personal experience with um, whenever my story was in the North Side Chronicle, actually I had people that I never met that were reaching out to me online to like be on the show or ask about things because oh. they saw the paper. And there was like a lot of people that were just like, hey, saw you in the paper. People don't talk to me. So like they <laughs> saw it around like people yeah. that I know in that area. And oh, I was like, that's, that's, good. that's cool. Like people are still paying attention to those sort of things. And I think that it almost makes it like we're getting in this interesting point now where like things that are in like a, a physical print, they're like more um, – I think they're taken more seriously because yeah. it's not on the internet. Exactly. And I think people are starting to realize that anybody can put something on the internet and make it look good. Exactly. You know, like whenever the Northside Chronicle was posting stuff on Instagram, you know, you're com you're competing with, uh, you know, Jerry's sandwich or, you know, <laughs> uh, Susie's yoga pose photos or whatever, you know, like the, that's all why the, all I the other love stuff. that, the print version and books. And I mean, it takes a long time to commit to something. I mean, if you're going to write a book, you have to want to write and think about that subject every day for two to three years minimum before you put it on the page, compile it. I mean, that's a commitment, you know, and we're living in a world of commitment phobes. <laughs> I also think we're living in a, like, so I, th I still think no matter what social media is, it's a reflection of the youth. Like, I think, like, they're the people that are the most active. Their voices are the loudest. And you see a lot of these, like, things that are coming up in, like, social politics that are, like, stemming from teenagers and kids that are in their, not kids, teenagers and, like, early 20-somethings, right? But you remember what it was like when you were 17, 18 years old. Like, two, three years seemed like forever. Right. So I think that there's that interesting thing where the 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 dialogue that a lot of people are opening up about and things people are starting to change their mind based on these things that are coming from young kids. But on the flip of that, you know, saying like, hey, it might take you some time to really figure out what you want to do with something. It might take you a couple of years. A couple of years to those people is like forever because they've only been alive for such a short amount of time. Yeah. Does that make sense? I mean, it I does. never thought about that until like right now. I wish so we kinda, had a teenager right here so I'm we can like, ask. I'm kind of like spitballing because I feel like I knew who I was and what I wanted to do when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. But also, I mean, like now I, I, uh, I just like when I released that Sykes and the New Violence album, like we spent almost three years on that thing. Mm -hmm. But if you told me when I was 18 that I was gonna, I wasn't gonna release an album until I was 21, I'd be like, you're out of your damn mind. Like I don't have three years. Right. It feels like so long, but now it just feels like nothing. I've already been doing the podcast for five years. Wow. And that was like nothing. Yeah. Just flew by. <laughs> I was like, what? How did this happen? Yeah. But uh, as you get older, I don't know, I guess time goes a little faster. And Definitely. you're able to open up your brain to putting more time into things. 
Mm-hmm. But that's a I'm generalizing again. <laughs> I'm sure not every teenager is like that. It's just something that it's a it's a suspicion. Well, I think it's the attention. I mean, I think social media can be a really good thing and it has like this power to bring people together. But I think um what I like about it is having the ability to bring people together in real life. Yeah. You know? What I I always say that social media should be an accessory to your real life. Your real life shouldn't be an accessory to your social media. Right, because otherwise it's completely the opposite. It's isolating. Yeah. I it's 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 happened to me several times where I know people online and I see their online lives and they're very active online. Mm-hmm. If you would look at their Instagram story feed, it's like, whoa, like this person is partying all the time. <laughs> they look like they're having a blast. And if I see that person in person, they're just on their phone. Mm-hmm. And then every once in a while they, you know, they update the story, but then it's just back to living in this box. It's yeah. like, I, I don't think scary. that's always how it is. I mean, I think you it's can not how have I, I've an, just seen it. It's like right, that's an right. extreme, right? But I've seen it on multiple occasions. Oh yeah, for definitely. Sure. It's totally there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there are some people that balance it really well. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to do, I don't think there's a right or a wrong thing. It's not for me. I'm really, I'm good at like I can post something on like Instagram like every other day. Maybe uh-huh. I'm not. I don't understand how people can somehow mentally prioritize like they're in the middle of doing something they even think to like oh story story my like my brain doesn't (laughs) think like that like I'm always just like I'm in the moment and trying to enjoy it Mm -hmm. every once in a while they'll be like oh man that would have been a that would have been a good Instagram story if I wanted to be a better social media -er." (laughs) or but uh it's just not the way my brain works what do you think your most active platform is Instagram yeah yeah I I I try Twitter. I have a I don't know. I just I, I think that like each and this is something I've said before as well. Uh so apologies to podcast listeners, but for you, I have this idea of like with me and managing all these different social media platforms that sometimes it makes me feel like a schizophrenic person. Yeah. Because each platform caters to like a different personality trait of humans and i think that's why there are twitter people and instagram people facebook people because they're just certain types of people and if i am one entity one sykes trying to uh you know market or just you know uh genuinely interact with the world through these platforms but also still kind of like here's my podcast here's a show i'm playing here's an you know like sprinkling that stuff in i have to learn how to talk to all those different people Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day i'm still just me right like sykes is brian and brian is sykes and brian's just kind of instagram i guess (laughs) if i will if you that's the the closest trait that i'm more of a twitter person i could see that yeah it just seems like you're a lot more. Um, I mean, just I think just given your background in writing and everything like that, it mm-hmm. just seems like that's probably more your jam. Yeah. And so, what's your beef with Instagram? I also really like Instagram. I just <laughs> I put po- I use them for different things. Totally. And I I think I like Twitter more because there are less images. So. 
in a way it's less distracting and I feel like I don't know. Instagram would be a cool platform to share stuff like your zine stuff. Or is it's this true. something that you like keep primarily in the physical world? Do you not like like talk about this much on a digital platform? I don't talk about it much on a digital platform just because I don't um yeah, it is very it's kind of new, so it's newish. Okay. Um and I don't have like an online store for it or things like that. Yeah. So it's contained to, you know, events like the Feminist Zine Fest, yeah. which is in June, that I table at. I think that like that. that's super rad. There's a friend of mine who's been on the podcast before who is an artist, but she doesn't put any of her art online at all. And she doesn't talk about it with her friends. It's very much like if you know her, you know that she does it. Yeah. But she doesn't like put her name on it. It's like kind of like under a pseudonym. She doesn't publish any of the work online. And she has a very active online life. Mm -hmm. But it's just her art is not a part of it. And well, art is I, valuable. And that's the thing. It's like it's so valuable to her. It's like in that way where it's like it's like really literally her escape from the rest of the world right and you know how could it be her escape if all she was doing was then taking pictures of it and sharing it with you know it, it just becomes part of the the soup that everybody else is throwing ingredients in. exactly it goes and, back to that quality thing like yeah. a book you know yeah you're not gonna well you can read a book online but i don't like to do that i prefer to read that in you know yeah i never a comfortable I, chair i that and like I think there's something about the physical book in your hand. I don't know how if you were ever into like the like the tablet books. What what was it like the Nook? What else did they have? Oh right, you um, are those still Kindle, a thing? Things like that. Yeah, Kindle. Are those still I a thing? I think so. I think they're still a thing. Yeah, I don't. I just I remember like looking at them and just being like, "This is weird." Like something about this just feels so like. I feel like there's something – it's kind of the way that I am with records where I feel like if I put on a record, this is a thing that like I have to like sift through the shelf, right? pull it out, kind of like this weird like librarian thing. Not that mm -hmm. I was never a librarian, <laughs> but uh, like there's something about that concept that I like where like there's this, li like, this library of materials and like you pull it out and then like, you know, I put the record on. I sit – you can look at the jacket, sit down, enjoy it and like it's a very like – you're in the experience. Yeah, it's an experience. That's what I it's was going to say. It's not, I think that something like having like a real book and I don't read as much as I should. That's another thing that I'm very, I've been very, very aware of, but I'm like in this lifestyle that I have now where, you know, I only make time for the things that I do. Right. But uh, reading is something that I, maybe one day, one day I'll, I'll dig deeper into it because I'm sure there's a lot of great content out there that I'm just missing out on. Right. Plenty of great stories and Well, I used things. to work at a library, so if you ever want a list of book recommendations, let me know. Yeah. I, 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 lists, I like lists, but like a list of like multiple items is kind of stressful. <laughs> <laughs> it might just I have, understand. It might just have to be like a one at a time <laughs> Start thing. here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really – that's something that I need to – I think, yeah – Yoga, reading more. Two things that I maybe need to consider. Yeah. I understand that I'm not I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> and I, I wanna 
take care of myself enough to a point that like I could continue to do the things that I like to do. Like I'm getting to a point now where sometimes I play shows and I'm like, God, my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> like I, That's yeah. only going to get worse if I don't do something right, about right. it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, you're right on the precipice of doing something about it. Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest hurdle, <laughs> I need to get over my ego. <laughs> and I also need to be a little bit better at time management. Maybe going back to, I need, maybe I need to start appreciating sleep mm-hmm. and understanding that not every little thing that I do needs to be done as efficiently as I do it mm, that's because a hard it's one. not always important. Like I will, I will, like I will open up my pedal board at one o'clock in the morning and I will like think I'll just sit there and stare at it for a half hour thinking of a way to rewire it. And I don't even real. it's just like, I'm like, I'm so hyper-focused. And then there was no reason for me to do, it. I could have done that. You know, I don't even, it's like, I don't even have a show for like two weeks. I don't even like, why am I even worried about this now? It's just like, I think about it and then I do it. Mm-hmm. That happens with me a lot. I have my schedule and then I have my uh, moments of inspiration. Uh-huh. We'll call them where like I get, very motivated to do something that's really not important, but like I have that fire in me and right. sometimes that's when the magic happens. Oh, so yeah. I go for it and totally. then next thing you know, it's, you know, four in the morning. <laughs> I went to bed at four last night. <laughs> I woke up at nine. Wow. Yeah. And you're drinking coffee, I presume? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. These are all things I need to work on. It's very obvious. <laughs> do you have a favorite type of coffee? Uh, not particularly. I drink mostly black coffee. I drink iced coffee year round. Mm -hmm. I prefer it to hot coffee, but I don't mind hot coffee. But if I get hot coffee, I typically throw some shots of espresso in it as well and just go, go full full throttle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you? You a coffee person? I am. I'm a coffee person. Um, I'm really excited that the Ace Hotel started carrying Stumptown yeah. coffee beans because that's one of my favorite coffees. You know, pairing the pickle down the streets all Stumptown. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> they they are they're great. That's your that's your Stumptown fix in oh, the north yeah. side. Totally. I love that place too. I love their vegetarian sandwich with the pickled radishes. Yeah. Mm. So good. Yeah. I was actually, I woke up. That's where I got my coffee at Pear and the Pickle. Oh, nice. And I had a nice breakfast sandwich. I go literally every day. That's like my spot. Except Mondays because they're not open on Mondays. Uh, Well, but uh, I need to rest. Yeah. That place is the jam. Shout outs to the Pear and the Pickle. (laughs) I I, I talk about that place a lot. The Pear and the Pickle is sponsoring this episode. I I wish they would. (laughs) I wish they would. That would be great. They could just, uh, if I got like one free sandwich a month, I would sponsor them every episode. <laughs> Actually, they don't even need to give me a free sandwich because I feel like I like going there so much because like the food is good and the coffee is good. But the thing that they're super, super nice. And I just like being able to give money back to like the community in right. some way. And, uh, I don't know. If if you're nice, I will go out of my way to support you, even if I don't like what you do. Their food <laughs> could be like half as good as it is, and I would still probably go every day just yeah. because they're nice people, and I want them to they are nice. continue to be there. You know? Mm-hmm. 
Now, outside of creative writing and everything else that you do, yoga, do you have any other hobbies or anything that we're not touching on? <laughs> um, there has to be something. Well, I love to travel and okay. I'm also an acrobat. Okay. That's a plot twist. That's not on my LinkedIn either. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I did not see acrobat on there. So is that something that kind of spawned from yoga? For me, yes, but it's not always the case for other people. They're very different. Okay, so let's talk about this. I'm curious. <laughs> okay. So I imagine there's different forms of acrobatics and things like that. What Multiple, are you doing? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a blend, really. I really love Icarian style acrobatics, which what is so if you if you can imagine partner acrobatics where you have a base and a flyer. So it's like using the base's body to climb on as if sure. you're in a jungle like gym situation. Stuff. Yes. Without the blades. Without the blades. Yes. Less slippy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But Icarian is where you throw the the base throws the flyer up into the air and there's no contact. So no hands, no feet. They're just popped up into the air and then caught again. So that can be in many different forms. So the flyer can be seated, the flyer can flip in the air and then come back on the feet of the base. Okay. The flyer can twist and come back. There's a lot of different So the types. base isn't helping guide what the flyer does the base is only no they are definitely helping to okay. guide the yeah. direction and okay. the uh, rotation but because you said there was no contact they so there is contact in the beginning in of the, the beginning move, but and then it's released when, when whenever the flyer is in the air there right. would be no there's no contact like right. whenever the flyer is doing their their acrobatic adventure <laughs> or however you want to word it skill mm -hmm. skill yes sorry no that's fine i prefer uh, adventure that sounds good yeah i like that too <laughs> yeah that's, you should start that's using fun. that around your fellow acrobats <laughs> what that's, else do you do uh well i travel so i'm i'm at i'm at uh in the acrobat oh in the acrobatics like, world do you travel like for yeah i do actually there's nice, a lot okay. of festivals acrobatics <laughs> festivals throughout the world really but um yeah i've been to rochester last year washington dc nashville um all wow. for acrobatics have you done any acrobatic stuff uh abroad not abroad no when I lived in Hawaii, that's when I first got into acro yoga, but acro yoga is still a little bit different Whoa. than acrobatics. What is that? Acro yoga? Yeah. So it's basically partner acro. It's doing, I guess I would describe it as doing yogic moves on a base. Okay. So it's a lot slower and there's more contact and uh At first I thought you said agro yoga. I was like, a whoa, this sounds, a, this, sounds a, this sounds abrasive. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it can get to that point. Uh, I mean, it sounds like it. You're all this contact you're talking about. Yeah, okay. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Handstands are also very fun. Yeah. Neat. So speaking of agro yoga, <laughs> let's go back to the zine because we talked about 
this one, and then you mentioned there was another one that had to do with toxic masculinity. Oh, then yes. Agro yoga made me think of toxic uh, masculinity. So uh, did you bring that? Yeah, this is it right here. Oh, okay. So it is a... It's uh, on more a, of a recipe postcard. card. On a recipe card. So okay. this is a recipe for toxic masculinity. <laughs> okay. I see what's <laughs> happening. Okay. Yeah. And it's uh, basically just, I'm very interested in my writing. I often explore the concept of gender roles and masculinity, femininity, personality, the psychology behind what we do and why we do it. And then, you know, power structures in general, patriarchy. So this kind of pokes fun at the concept of toxic masculinity. I think a lot of people misunderstand what people mean when they say toxic masculinity. So I'm not saying that all men are toxic and, you know, uh, I think men are great and I love men and I love women and I feel like if we understand, you know, what our society, how our society tells men and women to be or what they tell them to be and how they can and cannot act, then we can break those structures down totally easily. And I think that a lot of people don't understand or at least my perception of things is like, you know whether you're male, female, or any other identity, Mm -hmm. you know, you're capable of being, you know, feminine and masculine. And I think, you know, I don't think toxic masculinity is like only something that like an identifying male is capable of. I think that I've seen like females exhibit toxic masculinity. (laughs) They can be very aggressive. It's possible, but... Uh, it's interesting you'll get some people that want to use those terms but don't want to – they apply them in very specific ways that uh, benefit their their viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I mean those are kind of – those are people that sometimes are hard to have conversations with. Yeah, because they're married <laughs> to their viewpoint and yeah. they're not open to listening. I think that oh, I think that it's important to be married to your viewpoint, but I think that it's also the the second half of that. I think being willing to listen to people right. is sometimes I think a fault of a lot of people. Um, and that kind of goes back to earlier when I was talking about uh, being around those people that I were around and them not understanding each other because they're not actually listening talking or to listening. what or, or talk you know it's <laughs> yeah everybody has their idea of something before they take the time to analyze it totally so important to do that <laughs> do you think that that's something that as you went through talking with other people writing stories on other people and just getting to learn about other people is that like opened your eyes to that more I feel like it has for me Mm -hmm. just because I talk to all kinds of different people from all over the place through the podcast and as a result of that it's like made me understand the way people work more and made like understand like what actually brings us all together regardless of how different we think we are everybody has the same problems yeah I mean it does definitely help me see other people's points of view. Uh, I mentioned that I worked at a library. I worked at a library for people who are blind and physically disabled. And um, 
the books that we gave to them were, you know, audiobooks. And I interviewed a few of the patrons at the library who were blind, and that was really interesting because yeah. they they talk about things that they talked about things that they didn't that you would never think of. I mean, they talked about how it, being blind affects your sense of personal safety. Sure. They talked about how being blind affects, like, even you know trying to make a move on someone like you don't know if they have a wedding ring on their finger so you're like oh, risking wow. being embarrassed just to like that's say that's like really transparent conversation that yeah. you would I would never think about and i think uh sometimes when a person is blind they have to be more transparent and it you just have to ask like what do you want or you have to say it's it's you know good etiquette to say if you're talking to someone who's blind i i'm leaving the room now so that you're not talking to me when i'm gone uh -huh. you know and things like that when i was younger actually i lived across the street from a deaf school and i worked at a taco bell that was not too far from there mm -hmm. and there was i interacted with a lot of deaf people when i was a teenager uh-huh and for the longest time, and I hate saying this, but I always thought that they were so rude. <laughs> but it was just because that I didn't understand. Right. I wasn't able to like empathize with what their life is like mm -hmm. and what communicating with people is like. <laughs> Eventually, I mean, I got better at it. But at yeah. first, like you're really taking. I was like, like, like there's why that is this context being, again. Why is this being so <laughs> like, why are these? Why are they being aggressive? And it's like that's not towards. It's like that's a thing. It's not. Me, again, me not analyzing why exactly they're being that way. Just me taking it as an attack and then making it personal right. when it's not. Yeah, that's so important. So with the Northside Chronicle and everything else coming up, is there anything exciting? Any other zine fests? You mentioned that the one that you do is in June. So right. that, that'll be happening again this year, I'm assuming. Mm, I, I believe so, yeah. Um, anything else that you would like to talk about or plug? And I'm, I'm, Most of the time, it's like, you know, people with albums and things and shows. So it's a little bit different for you. But mm -hmm. who knows? Maybe you have like a an acrobatic exhibition coming up <laughs> that I'm unaware of. Or who knows? Uh, well, if anyone's interested in acrobatics, we have a Facebook group called Pittsburgh Acro. That's not aggro <laughs> as in cat ro <laughs> um so yeah that's a good place to go if you're interested in that i have a few personal essays in the works but i'm keeping those on the down low they're they're mostly about um exploring concepts of personal freedom and versus captivity and yeah. society and also there's another one about um grief and how we deal with grief in our society, I guess, from a personal um, family story standpoint. Uh, that's what I've got going on. I will hopefully be in this upcoming Pittsburgh Feminist Zine Fest. And in terms of the Northside Chronicle, we always have some really interesting stories. Um, one that I'm really excited about is... Um, well, I just interviewed Adam Green of The Moldy Peaches. Okay. I'm Are not you familiar? No, I'm not, okay. unfortunately. Well, he did a show at the Warhol, so that story, it was really fun to I talk to him. I think I saw a flyer for that show. Was uh -huh. it like 
colorful, like a colorful yeah, looking yeah, flyer. Yeah, very colorful. He he is a musician. He's I mean he's a multi talented artist yeah. so this, he, was this the aladdin thing yes okay i remember this yes. obviously okay yeah <laughs> yeah he put out a film called aladdin where he did he made paper mache sets for it and he wrote a soundtrack to it and it's hilarious and bizarre and awesome. amazing cool yeah yeah so, so you did a story with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm working nice. on that right now. So that should. So be is he a local guy? Issue. No, he lives in New York. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. but they did the show at the Warhol, so it's technically North Side. Exactly affiliated. Yes. Tight. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Now with the essays that you mentioned, do you have anything that you have published that is available to the public, or is that stuff just kind of? In its own realm, you got to find it. It's in its own realm right now. So I, I like this. It's like this, like this, like two life thing with you. Like there's like this. <laughs> well, I'm a Gemini, so okay. Yeah, I, I don't, that. I don't know much about the uh, <laughs> the the zodiac. Right, is just that like that is? kind That's of like two faced. Two okay. Faced. Sort too of. faced. Well, not too. Well, sometimes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, literally and figuratively. Um, but. What was the question? <laughs> I was just asking if there was anywhere like that people could, uh, if anybody was interested in personal essays or anything uh, like that. Okay. Yeah. Right now it's, it's a lot of new stuff. So I'm riding the wave of creativity right now. Sure. So it's I right on the verge of. You're also in this interesting position and I'm in this position too, where your quote career is in alignment with you know, what you already are into creatively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then it becomes this thing where it's like your professional life and your personal life are the same, but they are different. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like a lot of the stuff that I do for Get Hip, like I don't have any of that stuff in like my personal portfolio of art and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I could, I probably should, but like there's something about those lives that I keep separate, even though it's all intertwined. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel... I don't know. It doesn't feel right. I sometimes don't feel like my job and what I do are connected at all, even mm. though they are like pretty much the same thing. Yeah. I, I still treat them in two different ways. And I don't know if that's like a, a good thing or a bad thing. Probably, I do that too. Mm-hmm. It's probably a little of both. I think it's both. Yeah. Journalism is so different than creative nonfiction, and I love both of them. So I'm in a pretty good position right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just really enjoy telling stories. Cool. (laughs) Well, I enjoyed telling yours a little bit. There's it's a it's a lot to unpack in an hour, but right, right. So I want to thank you for coming by. Oh yeah, thank you for having me. You got it. It's a lot of fun. We're gonna wrap it up on this. I do my intros and outros post conversation now so that's it okay we're done see you later goodbye